Hello, welcome to another episode. My name is Ross. And I'm Craig. Time to put the kettle on, because it's tea time. It's the only swig of the episode I get that's actually warm. After that, it's just disgustingly cold. Right, uh, news. Craig, you just start today. What have you got? Yes, uh, actually got a few pieces of news, which is nice because uh, yeah, we should be alternating. Cool. Um, so I'll start the first one because it's quite cool. It's quite a part of Wales and that's coal mines. Um, and some people have figured out how to generate clean energy from coal mines. So the UK, as you probably know, has a lot of coal mines just there. Uh, they've all stopped producing coal. Uh, and they've been now propositioned to be repurposed for green projects. Uh, just to give an indication of how, how many coal mines there are in the UK, there's estimated that around 25% of the entire population and roughly 14% of the entire land area mm-hmm. are coal mines, all underground. So one in four people live on top of a coal mine. No way. That's amazing. I, I, I completely believe I'm Wales, but for the entire UK, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, but I, um, are they making it green though? I didn't get that. Well, good question. And that's my next right. point. Um, so basically, they're going to have mine water, which is already in the mines. And some of them are going to purposely flood. Mm-hmm. These mines are basically a labyrinth. Uh, some of them very deep, closer to the the geothermal properties of underground, which is quite warm. Right. So we take cold water from outside, pump it through the mines, which warms it up, pump it back yep. out. And that heat uh, we're basically using to generate electricity. So we dump their steam. That's the important part, because ultimately we pump it straight back in again. And that's just a rotating water heating system. Right. OK, so it's, it's like an air, air source pump which takes yeah. yeah by going underground, except it's doing it with water. Yes, in massive miles of, yeah, coal tunnels. Uh, the proposition so far is it can generate one kilowatt of electricity. No, sorry, it costs one kilowatt of electricity to pump in the water, but it should equal four kilowatts coming back out. So it's uh, quite a good cost to benefit ratio. And okay. The deeper the mine, the more efficient, because obviously it's closer to, you know, the molten iron in the middle of the earth. Um, And the idea is, yeah, this could be a massive um, investment. And if we use all, right now there are 30 projects underway, and they're estimated to bring in 2.2 million gigawatts annually of electricity. Wow, okay. So I don't know how many coal mines there are in total, but... If we're thinking that 14% of the entire UK is in some way a coal mine underneath, uh, this could be a staggering amount of uh, direct heating and electricity that we can get out of this system. Okay. Either way, very, very cool. Yeah. Um, my second piece of news is Superdrug. So Superdrug have launched a... So it's a... Where they've kind of launched is sanitary pads for people who menstruate. So they've targeted 
um, to be very transsexual um, and gender neutral as possible. So it's people who menstruate rather than for women. But right. the bit I want to target on this is they are 100% uh, plant-based sanitary towels and tampons. So plant-based. Plant-based. Uh, the way they've kind of put it out is uh, on average, there are 400 periods in a woman's life or in people who menstruate life. And there are 11,000 products used over the lifetime. So if they were to become plant-based, I think that would be a very big win for everyone. Yes, of course, they're made from soil or something, in which case, mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Like vegans and women for everything that's going wrong. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, going on from that, potential soy, is there's also been a study to say changing what we eat can offset the climate warming emissions. Um, and it's something we sort of already know. Uh, we discussed this. We discussed this in the plant plant uh, first episode, but yeah, basically eating plant first, protein rich foods like lentils, beans, nuts, um, is one of the best ways to offset uh, the food industry's CO two creation, because obviously they take up a fraction of the land yeah. um, versus meat and dairy, which we've already discussed. I just wanted to bring it up because it's a nice new study that's come out this week and sort of backs up that argument. So the more we shift those foods... I approve of my plant-first diet, is what you're saying. Basically. Fantastic. I mean, <laughs> I already knew, but it's always nice to have a science. <laughs> yep, it's a new study that's popped up in the Journal of uh, Natural... No, Nature Sustainability. So that's quite cool. Uh, well, another one you'd probably be quite interested in because you use this thing, uh, ZapMap. I do. Since you're an electric car user, you use ZapMap to find an electric charging point. Yes. However, one of the biggest frustrations apparently of ZapMap is that it would be easier if you could allocate time and pay in advance before you even get to the charging point. Allocate time means as in book the charger so that it's available when I get there. That, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's annoying if you get there and um, it's being used by someone else, sure, but um, equally... Or a provider you don't have an account with, for example. Um, that's true, yes. I don't know how they're going to solve that problem. Oh, I suppose if you... Okay, so you got your pay through that map. And that's what I mean. They, exactly. They are becoming the electric charging payment provider. So you'll pay them and they'll sort out the third party. That, I, yeah. So they make... Booking the time, not so much because there's a flip side of that is you get there, it's free, but you can't use it because some pain in the butt has, has booked it and he's 10 minutes out and you now have to wait for him. That, that would be irritating. Um, but if you didn't matter which charging it was, it was, then instead of me looking for a particular network, I can just go anywhere. That would be cool. Exactly. So that's, that's mainly what they're doing. They're looking to allow you to pay for your power on the go. So you get there you're ready to go. You're going to wipe out your other accounts, etc. Uh, they're currently testing this across um, four regions with 10 different charges in Stamford, no, sorry, Stratford, Gloucester, Chepstow, and Bristol. So this is just basically a trial, but mm. then they are looking to roll out to another 150 locations by the end of the year. So there's not a lot left in this year. So that's quite ambitious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool stuff. Uh, other than that, Windows are now 
probably going to be using transparent solar panels. So I think we've also discussed this before about yes. the solar panel, oh, which is transparent. Through. Yeah, they weren't as efficient though, if I'm running. No, they're not. Uh, but there's a new um, sort of thing they figured out of meshing together nanoparticles and solar panels with inside windows yeah. are more efficient and they are seemingly doing a good job by sandwiching them all together. So they're actually built into the window itself. Cool, cool. Which, which makes sense, I suppose, rather than be on the outside, it's just kind of inside. And the idea is, and what they're saying is, if we've done our job right, no one will even know they're there. Excellent. Which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, slightly related thing, I, I don't know enough information to give it in more details, but you can Google the term anti-solar panels. Mm. Um, it seems to be this thing where it's um, it's absorbing energy from the, I think it's the heat radiated from the planet as opposed to the sun from the side of the light from the sun. Um, hmm. so theoretically, they work at nighttime as well. So I can, okay. I can see there being these panels that are basically, because seemingly it's just a layer that you end up with these 10 different layers and you know, one layer takes the, takes the light, one takes the, um, the radiated heat Another one takes in, you know, um, light a different spectrum because we talked about that as well. Uh, I can mm. just see this having these, yeah, these multi-layered panels that can just absorb something out of something that will give it any any moment of every day, and then then we'll have really good panels because then it won't matter if it's um, only eighteen percent uh, efficient in one thing because it will have eighteen percent from that, and plus getting another six percent from something else, or four percent from something else, and it will add up, and we won't care so much. But yeah, I think panels are going in a really cool direction. Uh, yeah, that, that would be an amazing window, especially a skyscraper of some sort. Window, it's just, I mean, it's going to be a very expensive window, but um, probably a very thick one too. <laughs> but, you know, it's almost like the double glazing is already done for you. Just have six different layers. You've got, it's, it's, not, it's not double glazing or triple glazing. It's six layers, but each one's a different panel doing a different thing. And all of them are giving you energy. Exactly. Kind of using that space in between the panels a bit more efficiently. While I'm putting A in there, we can put something that actually generates, not saves. That's both forever. Um, and going on from that is also something being invented called the cold tube. Okay. Uh, what this basically does is it effectively is in a more efficient air cooling system. So you've got air con, yes. which uh, effectively sucks in the air around it and then spits it back out a little bit colder. So it takes up the moisture to the air and cools the air down and spits it back out again. Yeah. So the idea of the cold tube is it does, it sort of has cold water running through it like a radiator, mm. and it takes the heat radiation itself and cools that down. So it does nothing with the air. So that's why it's a lot more efficient. So it absorbs the heat directly emitted by the radiation from a person without having to cool the air passing over the skin. And it achieves that with obviously a significant energy saving. Uh, they're right now sort of rectangles and they can fit into ceiling panels. So right. when you walk under one, it kind of sucks your heat up a little bit. <laughs> Just quite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the article, which will be linked in the uh, description, has got a cool little thermal photo of that actually happening. So that's, that seems quite interesting. All right. So this is for About cool. Not going, to, not going to help in the UK much, is it? Well, I mean, you know, the planet is getting warmer. 
as we've also discussed. So these things were pretty cool. Rather than getting aircon, you can now have cold tubes. Yeah, sounds well, cool. That definitely, definitely happened underground. Um, and my final piece of news is a study on fast-growing trees. So I think we've also discussed in a previous episode about the idea of planting as many trees as possible. And the quicker they grow up, the better, because as soon as they're bigger, perhaps they drop more carbon. We're better, don't we? But um, mm. but we also worked out that if it was a new forest and it was planted much closer together because they before they start competing for space, that would technically be more CO two per square meter or whatever. Yeah, what's the new thing then? Yeah. So the studies kind of shown that uh, trees that grow rapidly, which have a shorter lifespan, um, actually could be adding bad news to the climate rather than good. They are taking up too much space effectively, and they don't take as much carbon dioxide out of the air as slower growing trees would. So even though it feels good to chuck in a lot of fast growers like spruce, yeah. um, they don't, over the cost of their lifespan, do a good of a job. Okay, so it's a similar similar point that we were making for ultimately still better to have an old forest because it, it, that's not even including the inefficiency from chopping the trees down each every however many years it was. Yeah, it's ultimately inefficient to grow. Um, yeah, fast growing trees. We should be going the nice big slow ones that take a hundred years to get there, but over time they'll just take up more carbon dioxide. Yeah, but we still need the wood. So I guess. We still need to grow them. Just leave the old forest alone. Yeah, I suppose, you know, the balance there. Yeah. Anyway, that's all the news I have. What do you have right. today? Well, we've got a bit of an interesting mixed bag today. Um, so, uh, first thing I have is, well, there's a, a study released today, which is bad news. Uh, more questions mm. are raised over what exactly happens to our recycled plastic here in the UK. Um, as the study found some inconsistencies in the reported data. Um, for example, a government briefing paper in March 2020 stated that 91% of the 5 million tonnes of plastic used in the UK each year is sent towards, and I will put this in quotes for you, treatment. Um, but treatment doesn't necessarily mean it's actually recycled. It could just be, you know, dealt with. Uh, it's just, it essentially means it's sent to a waste management company. Um, and in 2018, mm. a report by the local government association found that only one third of plastic collected from households can actually be recycled anyway, due to contamination, low grade and mixed materials and technical difficulties with recycling it. Um, also, the National Audit Office, which is an independent body, um, uh, claimed that in 2018 that there was a six fold increase in exports of packaging material for recycling abroad between 2002 and 2017. So basically, we're getting these inconsistency things saying, yeah, we're recycling 91% of everything. Oh, but actually of everything we collect, only 30% of it, so 30% of it can't be recycled anyway. And also we're exporting a load more abroad. So it's, it's something that's not quite, quite right, basically. Um, so um, according to industry experts, many businesses that call themselves recycling companies actually only sort the waste and then they sell it on often via brokers towards unknown destinations and few have their own recycling facility facilities and many refuse to say where the plastics even go claiming that it is commercially sensitive information straight in the sea 
Yeah, so there's a, um, it, the report goes into the, all the details of the thing, and I will put in the link in the very because it's too much to go into here. But um, basically, there's just you know, if you were suspicious, this report will help you uh, prove yourself right. Um, my second item is uh, uh, the article is entitled "Hull Fires Up Low Carbon District Heating Vision," um, which oh, cool. I've renamed that article to "Bloody Hull It's Warm." Basically, um, thousands of Hull residents residents uh, could soon be enjoying low carbon heat as a multi-million-pound heating network project this week took a step closer to reality. Um, the whole district heating project is designed to provide heating for homes, offices and other buildings from a central energy centre with the heat delivered through an underground pipe network that would be replacing existing heating systems, which sounds exactly the same as the one you talked about last week, whoever it was, in Wales. It does. It's a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, Cardiff to Bagen was the first step. Hull, I believe, was the second step. So I think it's the same project. Right. Yeah, okay. well, it's, it's, it's moving forward. Nice. Uh, right, in other news, today is a special day, Craig. Did you know what day is today? Uh, the 9th of September. That is true, yes, it is. Um, I, I believe it may be um, National or something Teddy Bear Day, but it's also got a, it's also another name um, for today. Today is World EV Day. Is it? Whoop, whoop. Um, so... Um, uh, and to set it, well, I think we've sort of announced what's some sort of world EV related news. Uh, Nissan re announced that today they made their 500th no, EV in Sunderland today. So well done, them. Um, uh, but to celebrate it in, in further fashion, the UK government has uh, launched a £12 million funding tech competition package. Um, Highways England is supercharging a green incentive scheme with a multi-million pound investment that allows businesses to try electric vehicles for free before they buy them. Okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah, an initiative designed to encourage a shift to cleaner, low-carbon vehicles. The company is handing, yeah, handing £9.3 million to local authorities to encourage businesses with diesel van fleets to make the switch to electric. I've already tweeted my local council, <laughs> just in case. Um, so yeah, apparently they they are um, allowing local yeah councils and things to, um, I guess you know, purchase, I don't know, buses or or maybe um, recycling um, trucks or whatever. I, I'm not entirely sure. It's not clear, it clear in details, but um, but yeah, a chance for buying. We talked about uh, the Royal Mail and British Gas in their electric vans. Yes. So they must feel a bit stumped on this. They just, they just missed this. Hopefully they can get some help out of this and uh, continue going. I'm sure they count because they're, they're, they're a private business. So I'm not sure they would count as, um, you know, British Gas is their own company, whereas this is talking about local authorities, I think. Oh, I missed that. I thought you meant uh, could do which would be amazing. Yeah. Let, let, less so amazing for councils to do it because they should already be doing it. Arguably. They probably got the budget, so it's, hopefully it will help. Um, so that's cool. Um, as I seem to keep finding them, uh, there has been another Loop member. 
remember who Loop is? I do. Tesco's in Waitrose, but there's someone else now. There's someone else. You might Ooh, know. Sainsbury's. No, no, no. Ah. A, they're often near Sainsbury's. McDonald's. How's that work? <laughs> well, supposedly, what happens is you can order, you can order your coffee or whatever, but you can have, you can pay an extra bit of money to deposit to have the cup, and then they will give you a cup, and then you can then take that cup back into another store at some other point and get your deposit back. There you go, kids. If you earn, need to earn some extra money, go and find uh, <laughs> leftover dropped uh, coffee cups and take them into McDonald's and get your pound. For each one or whatever it is. So, yeah. I kind of feel like that's a normal thing that Starbucks and Costa already do. You can buy like a Starbucks cup and just have it refilled. But can you get the money back? Well, unless you stop drinking coffee, would you ever get your money back? Would you ever want to? I don't know. But it's uh, the recycling part is the what Loop does. So it's about the packaging going back to where it came from. So. Right. Okay. But yes, okay. so obviously it would make more sense to have a cup that you keep forever. But I suppose if you don't have one, then you can at least um, use it. And then next time you go to McDonald's, you can then give it back. I've still yet to hear of anyone who goes to McDonald's go there for the coffee. Like typically there's other things. <laughs> it's true. But yeah. So there's, might, there's, might have a coffee as well, but. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's. It's more progress. It's more. It's more a circular economy. We like this stuff. Um, yes. Next item is Uber. Is the latest mm. in the pledges of becoming zero emissions by 2040. Although they aim to be at 50 percent uh, by 2025, uh, and they have invested 800 million pounds in a deal with Nissan and Renault to enable hundreds of thousands of drivers access to EVs. Cool. Encouraging their Uber drivers to uh, get EVs. And obviously they've got their Uber Green, I think, where you can specify that you want to get picked up by a green car. You can, they've already got that sort of stuff. Um, but in addition to that, um, so he says the targets will cover Uber's operations in London, despite the fact the company potentially being unable to operate in, in, in the city. Um, incidentally, that um, port um, where they can contest that decision to to not allow them to do that that's happening uh later this week september the 14th um or was that early next week whatever by mm. next episode it will have been uh, they would have been so we might know what decision is on that um but also in the uk uber has signed a deal with bp to give drivers access to charging hubs in london um uber pro drivers will be discounted through monthly memberships to BP's Charge Master Polar Network that consists of more than 7,000 charging points. So nice. that's, so yeah, BP are getting involved. Always a bit, always a bit dubious when that old company gets involved like that, but um, fine. Good. British Petroleum. <laughs> yes, yes. Those got a perfect reputation. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah. Uber's doing something with BP to give them charge thingies, and they're also helping people to get the EVs in the first place. Want to get discounts off their mileage? Seems like a good little setup. Cool. I, I assume that's, that's Uber's plan to. That's by 2050. You said that they're gonna 2030. 2040 for the whole thing. 
Um, mm. 2025, 50%. So 2040, they probably expect to have robots driving. That's, that seems to be their grand plan. Mm. Quite possibly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty cool. That's a nice one. Um, next one is a circular plastic alert. I'm always a big fan of when there's a circular plastic dropping the waste, reuse that waste for something else for the same company. And I like those things. They make me smile. Um, so there's a new one. Uh, it from, comes from Co-op. Uh, they've announced that they will be collecting what they call scrunchable plastic, uh, which is carrier bags, yogurt pots, food wrappers, stuff like that. Um, and you can take them into the store and they will, they will be processed into waste disposal bin liners, which they will use themselves. That makes sense. Collect the rubbish in the in the bin. Use that same rubbish to make new bin liners. And this hasn't got to be co-op products. You can just take any plastic in the co-op now. Uh, it didn't say that they you couldn't. I, I would, would find it difficult to imagine they would police someone putting in a wrapper from a Tesco. See the point in that? But um, I mean, carrier bag wise, I mean, everyone has got a bag covered. I've got hundreds of bags I, I would love to get rid of. Thing, isn't it? I mean, like, you know, some, someone needs to invent, like, the bag cupboard thing. There should be some sort of item in someone's house now because it's so, it's so popular that everyone's got a, a... I, mean, I mean, yeah, now that they actually cost money as well, they're not free, so... Exactly. Like, especially in England, where you're going to get them 10 pence soon. I mean, you can have a 10 pence bag cupboard. Yeah, I mean, and loads of money in there. That's, that's, the, that's a kid's fun, that is. <laughs> well, maybe yeah. yeah, she ended up buying them back, but uh, I mean, getting rid of it is a good thing. I, I know that Tesco's, if you have shopping delivered, um, they will take your bags back with them, yeah. Um, they'll, they'll take as many as you want back with them from other people too, because they all go to the same place, they'll get recycled and made to new cool. bags, yeah. So, yeah, it's nice. The co op is a place where you can just go take them as well, yeah. Cool. I mean, like, I know when I was. I lived near a co-op. It was it's a slightly different shopping style. It's like you know you you, mm. you don't go. Well, I mean, you might some people might do it as well. Obviously, it was just me at the time. So, um, but it ended up being something. It's a shop that you go to almost every day to pick up whatever you wanted that day for dinner, as opposed to doing the big shop. Um, mm. So, yeah, I could, that would it would have been quite good to because I could just walk there, dropped off my rubbish from last time, and picked up new stuff. I think that would have worked quite nicely. So, yeah. No, that's quite nice. Oh, when you say scrunchable plastic, plastic yeah. you can scrunch. I think that's what it's got the name from, yeah. But you said yogurt pots. I know. Oh, if you've got strong hands. It's on the edge. But mm -hmm. okay. That's that's good. That's cool. Um uh, right, you mentioned mines. Well, I've got my own mine story. My mine story. Um so basically, uh Go get your Cornish pasties back because mining is coming back to Cornwall. Oh, wow. Yeah. They closed them, or the tin ones, and they're going to start reopening them because two companies are convinced that lithium exists. Um, and they are digging for what they refer to as modern day gold in the hope of reviving yes. an industry that was 4,000 years old until the last mine was closed in 1998. So yeah, there's some people thinking that there's lithium down there um, and uh, pursuing it so that we've got our own lithium story, um, lithium 
supply for batteries and the like. Have you ever been, ever wanted to go to a drive-in cinema, Craig? Have I ever wanted to? I've ever been. Either. Um, I've been, and now yeah. I never want to go to one again. You never want to go to one again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only good if you're the front few rows. Otherwise, you're just a guy in a car looking through other people's cars. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, uh, I bet the drive-in that you went to was outdoors. Oh, um, is it indoor ones now? It's going to be an indoor one. And it's for EVs only. Right. Yes. So I want a bunch of Leafs to go drive into an audience and just sit in the front rows. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, like I say, it's, it's difficult to get the, the levelling that you would need because you thought in, in your outdoor cinema that you went, you would have just put the cinema on a, on a, you know, on a downward bank so that everyone would be... Whatever. It, was, um, it was a car park, yeah. But there's a, I've mentioned them a couple times on the show, so um, fully charged. They have their own sort of, perhaps more slightly professional, um, <laughs> electric car new show um, uh, by, uh, hosted by Robert Llewellyn. Um, it, so fully charged uh, was supposed to have their conference that they have every year, but they were unable to do so because of COVID. Um, so instead they are having a indoor drive-in cinema where they will be playing the film uh, Tenet, T-E-N-E-T, that film. Yeah, new blockbuster. Yeah, um, so that's that's fun and exciting. I think the tickets are like 40, 45 pounds per car. Um, so, you know, it's not cheap. Um, but, you know, it's, if you want to attend the what might be the world's first, or certainly UK's first, indoor cinema in your car, that's the way to go. I'll put the link below. So two questions. Mm. Um, one, does it touch a car while you're there? I hope it does, 45 quid. And two, why is it indoors when you're already indoors a car? You're in a car. There's a map who reigns. I, I, th I think it's probably just because you can. I think that's probably it. Well, I guess you haven't okay. got to deal with the weather, have you? Like, last thing you want when you're trying to watch a film you're in a car. Going like that. <laughs> this film's irritating to watch. Um, <laughs> yes. But you can, that's the point. You can have, you can have, you know, let's rethink what, you know, before we couldn't put cars indoors because people would die. Um, and now we can. So what possible use could we have for having cars indoors? I don't know. If you can think of something, maybe you can make a business out of it. Oh, uh, yeah. Coming yeah, to. I suppose that. Yeah, that makes sense why it's electric cars only because exhaust fumes wouldn't kill you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I missed that part. Yes. So it's it's a, it's a, a novel if thing. Start, if you would put your car in your living room and turn it on, or your family would die. Did you not know this? <laughs> I did. That's why I've never done it. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's something that people don't really think about. But yes, the car that you have outside, the car that most people have and they drive around every day, if you put it in your house and turn it on, it will kill everybody. I, I've, I've seen enough of CSI. People, yeah, that's like a common way to kill yourself, isn't it? Like in the garage in America. Yeah. Yeah. Like UK garages are never, never that big. You can't stand in a garage and have your car in there. That's madness. <laughs> so that's the news. Uh, what's today's topic? I know the topic actually, so, um, but I deliberately have not looked into it. So I, this is all going to be all fresh and, and interesting. One would hope. Ah, perfect. Perfect. Um, well, it's a topic that's been around for a long time and it's called 
Stoicism. Stoicism. Okay. Voila. Stoicism. So, um, none the wiser at this point. Cool. So, for me, um, I've always considered spirituality uh, as a needed ingredient for a fulfilled life. So, different bits and pieces of life, you know, certain happiness levels, I suppose, comes from the different places. For me, spirituality was one of those things too. I like to have an open mind and I'm not religious. So I've always looked at other spiritualities um, and to kind of see what they have to offer. And that type of looking led me to Buddhism, which right. you do know a fair bit about. And the more I kind of delved into Buddhism, um, I kind of felt it really matched about 80%. It wasn't, it wasn't a nice, proper fit. But then I stumbled across. Not fit for you or fit for, what, what do you mean? For, for me personally, yeah. yeah. I mean, for other people, obviously, it's uh, each their own. I think that's, that's the best thing about spiritualism is each their own. Um, for me, then I stumbled across stoicism. Uh, and that was a perfect fit. Um, it's, a, it's a really, really, just fits amazing. And I think by the end of this, I hopefully will convert you to that type of thinking too. Did I convert yes, you to plant science? Um, no. If I say yes, are you more likely to be stoic? <laughs> yes. This, this is reciprocal conversion here. You can have some sort of, I'll convert you oh. into this. If you're, anyway, sorry, go on. Um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a lot more interested in plant first. And yeah, I think about it more now when I'm, you know, cooking the steak. But before I started, <laughs> I started looking into stoicism about November last year. So only, only about a year. I'm very new to this. Um, it's something that's been around since, uh, yeah, third century BC. So there's a lot of history involved here. And yeah, my meager year is not a lot. And I've only really read two different books to um, sort of delve myself into Stoicism. Uh, I'll talk about those at the end. But um, for me, I suppose, and perhaps you've had this opinion too, if I said to you, what is a Stoic person? Do you have a, a preconceived idea of what that is? Or are you completely blank? So I said nothing yeah just, like, just shot yourself okay um yeah so stoic um as far as i've heard at least always had connotations of being boring um a stoic person would perhaps be a boring person that's the way i've always kind of seen it so i've never really looked at it but um the idea of Stoicism itself, I'll give you a summary before I delve into it a little bit deeper, is it's a tool set uh, to control our inner thoughts and actions. Um, it's all about what we do mentally in an unpredictable world. Uh, as I mentioned, it is something that's been around since the third century BC. And yeah, it's all about how you control your mind in especially in today's world but back then when it was invented you know things were a lot more troubling right third century bc um it was founded in greece by a guy called zeno and 
it was kind of in the center of Athens, just invented to become a social school of philosophy. So it teaches you how to be calm and rational using logic primarily mm -hmm. in what's otherwise an unpredictable world and allows you to control emotions, emotional states, and to focus on your internal while letting go of the external of which you can't control. So it's kind of a bit more of a, the philosophical spirituality sort of thinking around that. And there's a bunch of tools and thought patterns and thinkings that um, has been developed by different leaders in this field. So third uh, century BC. So back then um, in the middle of Athens, we're now talking about um, ancient Greeks and the Roman Empire. That's kind of where we were back then. Um, Romans pretty much ran the world and the Greeks were seen as the philosophical center of the world. That's where all the thinkers, you know, Aristotle, Plato, all those type of guys, that's kind of where they hang out. And this thinking of Stoicism was originally called Zenoism, because Zeno's a guy who invented it. Yeah. Uh, however, they started um, discussing ideas of philosophy and how they can sort of control their minds and how we can develop this as a spirituality. Uh, they did it under something called a Stoa uh, Poikel, which is basically a stone arch. So they started doing that in the street under stone arch. And it became known as Stoicism because of that, because it's the name of the arch. Zenith, um, isn't he? Well, yeah. He sort, of, he sort of like left the run with that point. The stone thing, come on. Like, I yeah, thank put stuff into it and you named after a stone, you idiot. Pretty much. I mean, thanks, you know, but yeah, we're going to go with a pillar. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for your input, fella. Um, uh, but the idea was they would, they would debate ideas under this stone pillar and it's, it's completely free for all who can join the debate. So think of it as a purely rational debate on a topic and people off the streets can just join this topic and debate with you. It was on the streets, it was for everyone to see, and it was classed as the, philosoph uh, the philosoph philosophy of the street by that okay. reason. So it became sort of maybe the, the poor man's philosophy, but then later became the rich man's philosophy too. And it kind of kept growing and spreading. Uh, the idea just kept getting um, more affirmed with personal ethics, morality by different people who uh, got on board with the idea and one of the cornerstones which i think you also agree with is it views the natural world and the environment effectively and everything to do with it as that's kind of the the cornerstone of the entire belief that this is the most sacred thing and mm -hmm. uh, we live within the natural world uh, with a system of logic so right. so far I think it probably sums us both up quite well. Yes, I have no red flags warning yet. So the key principles, which I think they've all come to, which I think you would probably agree with, um, there's 10 I've found, I'm going to put together. Like One. Commandments. Yes, like commandments, except like you don't get punished by some sort of like sky daddy. It's like there's no, there's no leap of belief here. <laughs> Uh, so number one, live in agreement with nature. Live in agreement with nature. Yes. Okay, fine. Have to agree with that. So, uh, as humans, we're meant to be reasonable 
beings. Um, we're not animals, so we should live in the nature. We should be rational. Um, we should be logical because we have those powers. I think I prefer the idea that we are animals. Uh, but we I are. I think that helps well, that we are still part of the rest of it. I think thinking that we're not animals doesn't help us. Okay, we're not we're not beasts. Then. We're reasonable animals. Yes, we're not we're not vicious beasts. Yes. Yes, we're we're rational animals. We're not. Yeah, whatever. Uh, number two, live by virtue. So the idea here is uh, virtue is the highest of all things good, and virtue is a combination of wisdom, justice, courage, and self-discipline. Right. Or for those you probably agree with is yeah, cool. But um, yeah, virtue for a Stoic is seen as an all-or-nothing package. You know, you have all of them, or you get none of them. Okay. Yeah. So doing the right thing whenever you can. I'm going to translate as "don't be a dick," but uh. pretty much, yeah. But uh, just do the right thing, and um, yeah, let your actions, uh, let your actions just kind of dictate who you are. And it's it's the character and your actions that matter. Okay. Uh, three. Focus only on what you can control and accept what you can't. I like that one. I think that one's important for a lot of people, actually. Yeah, uh, I, th I think so. I think we've all been in that place. Yeah, it's also on the, on the flip side. It's like if you, if, you, if you want to change things, you need to speak up and stuff. And you, but I guess that is still within it because you're still controlling yourself. You're just not controlling everybody else. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, just be responsible for uh, for you, and you can't control anything outside of you, so don't try, effectively. Well, that's mm, is it? Don't try, because, or is it? Uh, don't let it stress you out. Well, it's both. Don't try and control things outside yourself, because you will never succeed. You can do okay. things yourself. You you can have actions. Word but you should, you should never bank on those actions to do what you expect. Yes, yes. So the word there is control. Influence, by all means, but don't try and control. Yeah, like you're not going to stop it raining. <laughs> uh, number four. Uh, no, distinguish... Cinema, mate. Hey, hey. <laughs> Sorry. Distinguish between good, bad, and indifferent things. So I think the word indifferent gets a lot of stick as well, but I'll explain in a second. So good is the virtue, as we discussed, be virtuous. Uh, bad would be the opposite of that. Uh, everything else is indifferent. So I think we, we probably both live in a very indifferent world sometimes where we can see things as indifferent. And the way the Stoics kind of see it is maybe a bit more extreme where they would see everything you can't control so you're, you yourself can be virtuous because you can control your courage your justice etc but anything outside of yourself like health and wealth they're all indifferent so that's that's a hard thing i think to really focus on that your health is indifferent you can't control it to a certain degree and the way they sort of see it is you can have preferred or dispreferred indifferences. So I would, my preferred indifference would be to be healthy, mm. but I don't necessarily control that. I could do everything I can to make sure I am, yeah. but I, I can't control that. Yeah. So I should be as indifferent as possible. Okay. 
That one, uh, that one, I think probably is the hard, hardest one to swallow. Really, that you well, can't. I'm, I'm trying to think how, because um, I think the, the perhaps the biggest one for us is relationships with others, particularly partners and stuff. Um, it's how you apply that to to that situation, because then it's uh, in theory there's a lot of indifference there. Um, in terms of what you can control and what you can't. Um, uh, yeah, so it's just, it's how you, how you wrestle with that. How, which do, is there any bit that you take on responsibility for if you're just indifferent about everything? Everything, including, including family, friends, loved ones, who you would have to be indifferent to. You can't like, control them. If you have a, if you have a loved one who is, doing something that's unhealthy, let's say drugs or whatever, then, mm. you know, it's what attitude are you supposed to have? Would stoicism say that you have to that? Do you just sort of make your point and then leave it alone? Or do you continue to try and try and try? Um, or do you just go, well, they just do whatever they want to do and I'll just not worry about it. You know what I mean? Because then where do you draw, draw that line? Yeah, good question. Um... It's a bit I want to discuss a little bit later on about how we can use that today. That kind of comes up. But hypothetically, you would have preferred indifference. So you would prefer um, indifferently that person didn't do that, but you can't control that. So action-wise, and your own character, you can lead by example, effectively. If you was a virtuous person, you can do everything you can to help that person. But yeah, you take no responsibility for the outcome, good or bad. Okay. Uh, item five, action five rather, is take action. So Stoics are doers. So based on what you were saying, you wouldn't sit back and just let it happen. You would be doing something, but you wouldn't be taking any responsibility for the, the outcome effectively because you can't control that. You could try and help potentially guides with preferred indifference, but uh, ultimately uh, you can't control the outcome, uh, but you just try and do the right thing. Because okay. virtuously you still would. Um, yeah, working in socialism is very practical. Uh, this, is, this is also a hard one I find. Practice misfortune. Okay, how's that work? So, effectively you start asking yourself what could go wrong and you sort of mentally put yourself in that situation and practice for it um it's kind of like like a mental vaccine so you prepare yourself so should that thing ever happen mentally you, you, you're there you're good yeah i think i do that anyway actually i do yeah do yeah, quite a bit. I mean, like, um, I, I sometimes I don't want to go into details, of it, but I sometimes think about the worst possible thing that could happen, um, and just sort of let that sort of absorb, because uh, I find that's a good way of of deciding what's really important and what isn't. I, I sort of use it in that sort of way that if you can ex you can experience the, the worst case scenario in your head, then um, everything else seems like less of a problem yeah no i agree it does happen you've got some idea of how that's going to feel what you're probably going to do about it yeah i mean i think that's that's 
ultimately what is suggested you do with that. You think about the worst case scenario and we prepare yourself for it. But, I mean, the chance of the worst case scenario happening is obviously very slim anyway. Yes. But if it did happen, um, you're ready. And the feeling of devastation of when things do go wrong is directly correlated to unlike how unlikely you thought the event was in the first place. So if you thought that thing could happen and you sort of meant to pay it even just for a couple of minutes and it happens, you wouldn't necessarily be that devastated because you can handle it. It also makes you, um, I guess, like you're, um, you've got um, survival stuff, haven't you? But like, you know, in, in the worst case, after you've got a place that you can go to pick up several cans of food or whatever it is you've got. Um, and I guess it, you've been little things like, um, uh, we've got quite steep stairs. And I've often thought, you know, what if, you know, what if I trip? What if, what if my son trips down the stairs? What does that look like? Um, so, yeah, you mm. could theoretically do stuff to, to um, prevent the worst things from happening. And then that way, even less likely to happen in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I suppose it gets you into that mind of thinking, what could go wrong? But then there's the there's always like a dangerous line of going if you think about that too much then you know you'd never do anything type thing if you never take any risk yeah I, yeah i think that's why i kind of find it the hard thing because i'm very optimistic i don't necessarily think bad things will happen but at the same time i kind of force myself to prepare just in case like as you said yeah i've got survival things i got preps effectively you know, I have 30 days of food and water on hand, just in case. I have a bag out bag, just in case. I don't really think those things will happen. Like even when with this pandemic happened, a lot of people with preps were, you know, sun ahead for the sticks because they thought maybe this is it. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think that. So optimistically i find myself hard to be in that situation but i kind of force myself to sometimes but i did go and buy a few extra things i didn't go crazy but i did buy, buy a few extra things in case we were struggling to get food for the house <laughs> whereas you didn't need to because you already had it in your house yeah i did i've been rotating it for years like my wife hates vegetable soup now but the the next one is after practicing misfortune uh, is Add a reserve clause to your planned actions. So this is kind of a helper in a sense to kind of get out to a couple of things where you can, you can say you're going to do something, but you're only really responsible for saying that. How you go about doing it necessarily isn't in your control. So I think the idea here is you can say, yeah, I'm going to sail across the sea to America. Fine, you can say that. You know, you can probably get a boat, you can probably do it. And as long as nothing stops you, you can get that done. Mm. But there are potential um, things in your way that you don't control. The weather, the boat, um, everything else in between, you just don't control those. And I think the idea is that um, if you um, had a bow and arrow, you was going to shoot a target on the tree. You could do everything possible to get to that point. You can train 12 hours a day, et cetera, all personally yourself. But when that time comes to throw that arrow, you know, a slight gust of wind and you're going to miss. There's nothing you could do to stop that. So mm -hmm. the, the clause is all about thinking, I'll do my very best to succeed. 
and assuming, you know, so, so I'll do my very best to succeed, but at the same time, accepting that uh, the ultimate outcome is beyond your control. Mm. Um, I've often thought recently, actually, because I, I do think I have more of that mindset anyway, that um, I probably mm. should get back into some sort of sport. Um, because the last time I played sport, it, you know, it, it would have mattered to me if I lost type thing. I would have been, I would have been upset with myself. I would have been um, whatever. But now I sort of think about it was, uh, sorry, um, you know, the, there's a lot of it's down to hard work and skill and natural ability and mm. all that sort of stuff. And then some of it's just down to bad luck or, or, or whatever. So as long as I put in absolutely everything I can do to win that game, then if I lose the game, I lose the game. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing else I could have done anyway. So uh, therefore I wouldn't be as bothered. And I'd be interested to know what I'd be like now um, with that sort of improved mindset. Like, you know, cause I, when you're, when you're losing during the game, you're three quarters of the way through, like you say, it's tennis or whatever. And you're, you know, two sets down over people start getting mm. a bit fed up and a bit annoyed and a bit of like, you know, they start, they lose the game for themselves. Um, so I'd be, I'd be intrigued to know now whether I would do that still or whether I, or I would go, right, well, I'm down. All I can do right now is try and play the best I can play. I keep doing that until it's over. Basically, yeah, do the best you can. The goal is not in your control. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I already think you're ready. You do most of these things anyway. Was I think I, you really are stoic. You just didn't know where it was, perhaps. Potentially, yeah. I'm, I'm not a stoicist. I'm, I'm, I'm a stoic. You're a stoic who practices stoicism. Except I just didn't have it in a formal thingy. I was doing it anyway. See, I'm always ahead. Always ahead of time. Yeah. Um, I think that's why kind of why it clicked to me because I think I'm probably in the same boat as yourself where I think a lot of these things I sort of already did. I just didn't put a label on them. Okay, so um, is there any sort of things that are quite common people do that would not be stoic? Um, that um, so we could go through a scenario because I I find it hard to believe without even trying that I'm you know I can't be. You're not hundred percent stoic. No, no. I, I think that impulse. I think you would still act to a certain degree on impulse. Right. So I'm not allowed would to be anything impulsive at all. Without being an emotional response, so we haven't got to that part yet. But that would be that wouldn't necessarily be virtuous. Oh, okay. Well, your question is impulsive. How dare they? <laughs> yeah, strike off the glove and I duel you, sir. <laughs> but uh. Maybe, maybe the next one makes a bit more sense in that term as well. Is uh, amor fati, which is a funny little phrase. What? what? <laughs> fatty. It's amor fati. Um, so you Latin. Love, you're saying you're saying I love fatties in French. See, that's that's what I feel already too. It's a, it's a really little funny saying, but basically what it means is love everything that happens. Right. Okay. Not it's love everything. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with loving fatties, FYI. Well, I'm not saying but, there um, is. It's very specific. 
as a bark stoic you've got to have logic you know don't get too overmanship so oh by the way you need to love fatty so i just didn't understand where that was coming from <laughs> yeah number eight um yeah so the idea here is that um whatever happens is what you should wish to happen and not only wish of it but you should also love it doesn't matter what happens love it uh, i think that's a very hard thing. And this is maybe something perhaps you don't do necessarily because obviously, you know, no one's perfect. We never get to the point where we accept life for what it is. And it's very difficult to do that sometimes. No, I mean, but, I, I reversed into a skip a few weeks ago and dented the back of my car. <laughs> I haven't loved that yet. I'm still a bit annoyed myself being that stupid. Yeah, well, maybe maybe the next point could help you with that one. But uh, <laughs> the the idea, first of all, of loving everything is that, um, yeah, just accept that you can't control everything, which we've already discussed. Uh, whatever happens is okay, and it's not only just simply accepting that, but loving it. Uh, yeah. There's something. There's a, maybe a reason why that happens. Whatever you think that reason is, hasn't necessarily got to be spiritual or whatever. It's just more of. Um, going along with what's happening anyway and just enjoying it and loving it. And I think the idea here is if you was a dog tied to a cart, that cart is going down the hill out of control. You're tied to this cart. So you can either run along with the cart and enjoy the nice weather or you can get dragged. You have no choice. It's going to happen. Right. And I suppose the idea here would be to be that happy little dog who's running along with the cart enjoying the sun because otherwise you get dragged <laughs> okay yeah uh, and yeah you have no choice in the matter but number nine turn obstacles into opportunities so based on what you were saying about denting your your leaf mm -hmm. maybe that opportunity is now you're more likely to buy a tesla because you know you want one anyway and you've got to look at that dent and uh you can, you maybe you can make a better opportunity out of that. I'll think about that one. I think I was going to buy a Tesla anyway, to be honest. Uh, you're more likely to not to, because like, ah, uh, I bust my leaf. <laughs> I did that with a Cybertruck. It would have been a skip that got dented. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So up in the game. But um, yeah, it's perception. Perception is key where, where how you think about it. So, um, yeah, don't get disturbed or delighted by the events. Um, it's all about how judgment of those events, that how we feel about them, and that's all that really matters. Like, did you did you really care when you hit the skip? Did it pee you off a little bit, or? I mean, I didn't cry about it. Um, was, I was, it was one annoyed, of the things that I was annoying myself <laughs> in making a, a stupid mistake. Yeah, so because I was reversing, uh, and I was just doing. The, getting around the, the, a post first. And then I started to, to accelerate of, of reversing. And I went, right, next thing I need to do is to not hit the skip. But uh, I didn't, the timing wasn't right. So I basically looked at the mirror too late and then went dang. And I was like, well, I knew the skip was there. I knew I was gonna, I just did, it wasn't expecting it to come quite so soon. So I was just annoyed myself for making an error that I knew I should have made. Fair enough. I'll go downstairs and I will love that dent. <laughs> well, that could be a Tesla dent. That's uh, thank you, dent. Now I'm much more closer to buying a Tesla. Mm. I'm only recently thinking about that because I also um, I dropped my phone recently. You see that? 
not really much. There's a bit of a crack in the back of there. Oh, yeah, that's too sweet. Yeah, yeah. Don't yes, win. Pixel 1, so the back is like glass, because, yeah, I mean, why not? Make the back of a phone glass. That's yeah. obvious. Um, but I can probably it? do with the new phone at some point soon anyway, because, yeah. yeah, it's been about five years with this guy now. It's getting a little slow. I'm eking it out. Yeah. Me and too. I dropped it. Now I'm a bit more likely to say, uh, uh, sort yeah. of want a new phone anyway. Yeah. Didn't really feel too, you know, too peeved. It's kind of like, ah, I should have bought a case. I didn't. I buy a new phone now. <laughs> I, I, I did that with the last three phones that I dropped. Which should have bought a case. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Um, and the final number ten is to be mindful. And I think uh, mindfulness I'm is mindful most of the time. <laughs> think uh, yeah, know. I mean. And unfortunately, that's what Stoicism says we should do more of, is think more. Um, be 100% mindful of everything you think and you do. Because it's, it's only your thoughts and your actions you can control and nothing else. So you should also be mindful of what you're thinking, what you're doing. Uh, that's the only way you can actually apply your, your wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance um, and be virtuous. Is by sort of filtering your actions, your impulses, your thoughts in that way. So self-monitoring, which I think we both do anyway, mm -hmm. is critical to be stoic. Because you need to filter yourself in order to try and get the best of yourself. Or give up the best of yourself at least. Um, yeah, no, I, I do think I am quite self-aware. Like, um, as a not very good example to bring up really on the on the on this but um i i had a go at my son the other day because he was getting upset about wearing shorts it wasn't i didn't have any shorts left because <laughs> he mm. goes through them. um and i had a little go at him for being so fussy about wearing shorts but within within a couple of minutes i realized that i was actually more annoyed at myself for having not kept up with the laundry to make sure he had some shorts than I was with him wanting to have shorts. So I had, I very quickly um, you know, switched it back the other way around. I was actually, sorry, it's not your fault. It's my fault. Um, whereas I don't think, I don't think many people do that. I don't think many people, they'll, they'll argue and argue until they're blue in the face and then it may be like a day later or something, but they'll realize why well, I, mm. I catch myself quite quickly when I go, wait a second, there's something not quite, something not quite genuine about my annoyance. I don't think it's actually where I think it is. So now I, I will then do that. Yeah, usually within a few minutes of, of what's happened. So yeah, I think I'm quite self-monitoring. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. And yeah, to have a sort of pretty instant reflection like that is, I would say, rare. Uh, I'm, I'm nowhere near that level. I, I'm also very self-monitoring, but I find it difficult sometimes to reflect instantly until yeah. maybe a little bit later. I think it, it, it's it's about if you get emotional, if you get upset, then it's very it is difficult. Mm. Then because you're you're just getting carried through that emotion, so you have to finish the emotional stage, or you can get to the point of actually thinking. Um, but I think I'm naturally quite good at flipping from, well, I don't get that emotion in the first place, and then although I'd say you're even less so, um, you seem generally less even less emotional than me most of the time. 
Um, so I think I think I am. That's probably why it catches me off guard when I do get emotional because I'm I'm less used to that crap. <laughs> I see. So then you're like, "Whoa, what's happening? I'm having some <laughs> meltdown. <laughs> something's something's broken." Well, it's like, yeah. What's this? Uh, what's this feeling like? I know you're three chemicals in my brain, but could you like stop? <laughs> <laughs> you sort yourself out because I'm struggling to concentrate. Yeah. Yeah. Just just speed up, but um. Yeah, so you get all these 10 principles of stoicism. And I think you seem to agree with all of them. I can't. Yeah, um, yeah isn't it? Yeah, I, I disagree with it. I'm, I'm right with all of them. So someone who is perfect in all 10, you know, what, what does a stoic look like? Like, I'd like to think I'm, oh. uh, <laughs> I'm on that journey, but, you know, and it seems like you're on that journey too, but maybe just didn't fully realize. And then... I had no like idea. Maybe we are, we're, we're probably junior Stoics in a sense. Like we're sort of trying to figure that stuff out. And I think the way we discuss things and chat about things, and I mean, this entire chat is, is basically reflection. That's kind of what we're doing in a sense. We're trying to chat about things, get ideas out and just kind of meld them together. So yeah, I think we are pretty Stoic. Right, well... That's, if this if this uh, particular podcast only gets five views, I'm going to love that too. <laughs> yes, oh, that's what you got to do. <laughs> Opportunities. But it's, we it's thinking, thinking of ideas and improve things. We said we said this at the beginning that you know we're partly doing this for us, and actually it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny because it's true. Um, as in, like I think if 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 we were if lots you know we don't have that many viewers. If if, if we did, that would be one thing, but actually the fact that we don't and we still want to do it i i actually do love that i actually think it's like well that's actually really interesting um there's clearly something that we'll get we are personally getting out of it we're not doing it for the for the attention clearly um uh we're doing it for some other reason which is benefiting us and that's why we're still doing it even though you know basically talking to ourselves ultimately in the grand scheme of things yeah exactly i i think Thanks for like watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for watching. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, the, the stoic ideas, like, you know, chatting about these things, putting concepts out there in the air between us and then checking them around. And I think we got similar brains, which is good because we can put things out there and understand what each other's thinking about and talking about and play with them and transfer them back and forth and stuff. And it's, it's really, really cool. Okay, so uh, go on. So if you have something, I can say I think that I think stoicism as a, a a tool set of logical thinking um, really helps solidify those things. Um, so if I was not a natural born stoic, um, first of all, do you think people could learn to be stoic, or is it is it something that they're just in them anyway? No, hundred percent can be learned. Um, and second of all, how would you best recommend for someone to learn how to be stoic? For, for me, at least, I learn by reading. So I'd recommend reading if, if, if that's how you learn. Um, there's, a, there's a modern stoic called Ryan Holiday, and he has a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called The Daily Stoic, and you can watch videos where they can discuss certain works by Seneca and Marcus Aurelius, et cetera. 
um, and how those apply to today's world, because the ideas are the same. I mean, the, the idea of like Epictetus, who was a slave, versus Marcus Aurelius, who was the world's most powerful man at the time, two completely opposite people having the same um, philosophy and how they applied it to their lives, I think is amazing. And I definitely, you know, recommend those books. But yeah, if, if you are a watcher or a listener, if that's how you learn, recommend Brian Holiday's The Daily Stoic. Yeah, so the last couple of points I really got is, what's the Stoic look like? Uh, and all those points there, a lot of people perhaps, if you had heard about it before when I was talking about Stoic, um, I've heard of it more of a boring thing. And a lot of people would assume a stoic person is basically Spock of Star Trek, that guy. Yeah, never and does it, have any fun, basically. Yeah, no fun, entirely methodical, that doesn't, doesn't break, always on, you know, completely always on switched, and effectively an, an emotional robot. Yeah. But I suppose that isn't really what stoicism is. You're not an unemotional robot, but at the same time, you're not really, you're not a slave to your emotions. You're sort of in between controlling both, which is very hard to do. It's not something you can just do naturally. It's, I think it is something you can learn to do, but it's difficult to have reason over emotion and filtering them so you can respond with virtue. I think it's ultimately a very difficult thing to do. And stoically, there are famous Stoics in history who've, Seneca, for example, uh, lived by virtue and he was ordered by Nero to do something he didn't want to do so he killed himself because he felt that, that was the most virtuous thing to do at that time now that is some mad dedication yeah FYI don't go and kill yourself so that's obviously not a great idea to do we are not recommending <laughs> Well, that, that's kind of what uh, Seneca did. I guess that's taking the, uh, if you can't control other people, control yourself to the utter extreme. Yeah. Because he, yeah. he couldn't kill Nero, because that would be unvirtuous. Yeah, exactly. And he couldn't really blame him either, I suppose, because um, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, how can being a stoic help today? And the idea is that um, you would have a love for mankind, irrespective of what you think about that person. You still love mankind. And we're all rational, social beings. Um, the idea is that nobody does bad things on purpose. There's just some sort of people think perhaps that's the best thing for them at that time. Yeah, I, I messy things bad. Generally, believe that everyone does something. What's the, what's the way of the phrase? Every action ha is for a positive reason. It just might be a misguided one. Exactly. They just didn't know any better. Um, they might have thought that was the. They were trying to help. I mean, they might. Yeah, they might be trying to help someone else. They might have been trying to. Um, uh, you know, sometimes it's the, the the positive thing is a selfish one. They don't. They don't want to um to fail or they don't want to um uh be embarrassed or whatever most of those are selfish but they're ultimately they're mm. the reason for doing something is because they're trying to make a 
some form of positive thing. And the question usually is whether the positive thing is a selfish one, selfish one or a selfless one. And that really defines two different people. I think it does. I think it does. And yeah, this, the stoic belief would be you work on yourself first, your character. That's the important part. And effectively saying that you can't help others if you can't help yourself. You're a, you're a poor version perhaps of yourself. But once you have worked on yourself to be virtuous, uh, you are mankind's best friend, effectively. You can help. Um, when we chatted about uh, the climate crisis recently and the, the future we choose, I think if you was a bit more stoic, I think you would have a better understanding perhaps of the future we can choose and a lot more love for what we could lose. But at the same time, appreciating that if we do lose it, you know, we can't control that. This, this happens anyway. We can't control it. Just do the best job we can. That's all we can do. Right. Okay. It's, a, it's a very stoic way of thinking about it. Yes. Going to have to love the climate crisis if it happens. Well, if it gets worse. Yeah. I mean, opportunities, etc. Britain will get a lot warmer. Our summers will be nicer. It'll rain less. Silver lion. Every silver lion. Um, Before we all die, tourism will improve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, another, another reason I want to talk about stoicism is because for me, it, it kind of helps deal with the, the wanting to have less and making do with having less. You don't need to have so much in the world. Uh, you don't need to have outward success. For example, it's all about inward success, work on you. Um, and you don't need to buy all these things, which I think um, kind of sparks me onto why I class myself as a minimalist. But that's a different topic, different time. But yes, yeah, stoicism really helps you get by with that idea. You don't really need as much as you do. And it's all just in here. That's the bit you need to work on. I think that's a good place to leave it. I think so. So, um, so well, in case it isn't abundantly clear, uh, we're suggesting that you think, educate, and then act. Um, I'm certainly going to go and learn a little bit more about stoicism so I can uh, uh, be a better stoic. Um, and uh, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye. -bye.